Hour two of the game, the game after work with Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Our phone number is 537-1350. Phone lines are open for uh, pretty much the rest of the show. So to come here in hour number two, it's been a while since I've done a top ten list, it feels like. And I got one coming up here at about 525. We still have a number one song that ain't going to ask us anything. It's, it's not the top ten things you ate at the Big 12 tournament, is it? We might actually kind of get to that here in just a second. Um... Because I know what you're saying, because there were 10 <laughs> items that had very good branding to it. Branding is a big, uh, I think will be a big topic here in the next few moments here. Real quick, though, I, let's touch on the NFL for just a moment. Um, first of all, I don't know the whole story of this Aaron Rodgers situation about him potentially becoming a New York Jet. And a big reason he kind of wants to leave is uh, there's just not enough around him. Yet, um, and I know I'm not maybe getting the story completely right here. Maybe you have more on this than I do, Troy. But I've kind of taken a glance at it here and there. People are talking about it. Aaron Rodgers might become a New York Jet, but now he wants a bunch of guys he played with mm-hmm. with him in East, Ruther- East Rutherford. Yeah. Uh, he's basically asking for the weapons that he did have in Green Bay when he was complaining he had no weapons in Green Bay. Well, he wants Alan Lazard, right? Yes, he does. I, I mean, and if he I, and if he could pull it, Devontae Adams as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, aren't the worst guys to have playing with you? No, I'm just I'm saying not, it, it not, all sounds silly. It, yeah, it, the the whole thing is just dumb on his part. But he thinks he can force the issue. Pull a Brett Favre. Yeah, say, have the, at it. The Brett Favre thing is the comparison. It's hilarious. unbelievable, isn't it? One year with the Jets, we'll see how long it takes him to get to the Vikings. Well, and apparently, like, Brett Favre is <laughs> off his rocker and, you know. Oh, yeah. Aaron oh. Rodgers is at that point now as well. You know, we're talking also just kind of outside of football. Woo! Now he wants I mean, to be anybody, who, anybody who makes Danica Patrick look normal, I swear. I like Danica Patrick. <laughs> She's a little hard-edged. How about I put it that way? I was, uh, you know. I, I kind of got interested in racing when she, when she you know got into, uh, you know IndyCar I, and yeah in the NASCAR and mm-hmm. I mean it was pretty interesting. Well, you knew that she was going to cause a wreck somewhere along the way each time around. Again, I'll it go got back interesting. To what I just, yeah, what I just yeah. you know not only just a female <laughs> in the uh, in racing. I mean, talk about going against the grain there. I was like, I wanted to see her win. She never. I don't think she ever got to the checkered flag. She did not in first place in NASCAR. No, she did not. I was really rooting for her because you want to talk about a sport that has always been dominated by males. I I'm not arguing that point one it's not even bit. Close. No, I'm just saying that you know the fact that she essentially wrecked in practically every race. Well, that's why people watch racing, right? Yes and no. Rex? No. It's kind of like the hot. Well, okay. Non racing fans want to watch racing to see Rex. Hockey. People want to see fights. Yeah. It's carnage, you know? It's the most interesting part of the game, usually. Also in the NFL. Air quotes around interesting. Actually, never got to touch on this, but 
offensive tackle Jawan Taylor is going to sign. I don't think it's – is it official that he is going to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs? Tomorrow is when deals can be signed officially, can yeah. be announced. Okay, that's right. So I guess the sources have said, you Correct. know, they've reported that Correct. Jawan Taylor, who had played for the um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars and had been, in, been very good is most likely going to be playing left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Kansas City was going to either have to resign him or make a move. I think they made a pretty big move. Uh, that was the big question mark, right? Like, who is going to protect the blind side moving forward for Patrick Mahomes? Makes an interesting move, though, given that he has spent the entirety of his career on the right side of the line. And they intend to have him as left tackle. I mean, the, the Chiefs haven't said that's our intention. I'm just saying, like, that could definitely be a move with Orlando Brown. It's the expected. Being questionable. Yeah, it's the expected move. That, and then my favorite NFL news to come out. I don't know if you saw this. This actually just came out an hour ago. The Cowboys have signed its new corner. Oh, Stephon Gilmore. Ooh. He was a Colt. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's really kind of bounced around in his career in the AFC. He was a Bill. He was a Patriot. Uh, and I think it, it was just one year with the Colts. He He's 32. And, you know, he's, I mean, that, that's my age. And, uh, for, you know, for an NFL player, you know, it's kind of up there, especially for a corner. But he was pretty good last year. He had a couple of picks. He, he defended 11 passes. But, obviously the exciting part is, all right, now you have Stephon Gilmore, and by the way, going to be paired up with Trayvon Diggs, who has been a pro bowler the last two years. And you're also talking about a Cowboy defensive back unit, a defense that has led the NFL in takeaways the last couple of years. And I think it just got better. The Broncos with a couple of interesting moves, and I'm curious to see what they mean for a former K-Stater, as they okay. sign Ben Powers, who's a guard, and also bring in Mike McGlinchey at offensive tackle. Well, I know uh, you, you said the Rams, right? Did you say the Rams? I said the Broncos. Oh, Broncos, I'm sorry. Because I say Jalen Ramsey is now yes. going to be in my – talk about another team that is doing a little bit of offseason work to get ready for a big run, that's the Miami Dolphins. But with Powers and McGlinchey, I'm curious to see what that means in terms of where Dalton Reisner is going to get maneuvered to on that offensive line. Because is he? He's a free agent. No. I thought I thought he was a free agent this year. No, I don't think he is. I believe they still have him one more year. One more. Okay. Uh, let's jump to the Big Twelve here. Big 12 making this announcement earlier today that the Big 12 Men's Basketball Championship became its highest grossing basketball championship in conference history. Um, obviously, this is a huge feather in the cap for Brett Yormark. Uh, they announced that ticket revenue was 38% higher than last year. Women's basketball was 20% higher in ticket revenue. Um you know, social media was through the roof when it came to uh, mention and expressions. Uh, Big 12 social media, whole, I mean, it was through the roof. Attendance 
was 13% higher. And by the way, they made a bunch of money for the, for the city. $21 million of revenue. And by the way, the Big 12 made itself some money as well. Clearly a big goal for Brett Yormark to be breaking records. Attendance records, revenue records, social media records. This guy is, you know, he, he's a marketing guy. He's a marketing genius probably. But I will say, I, I think a big, I mean, uh, clearly, and I, I was looking through the numbers. I thought I had it here. Oh, here it is. So when it came to the Big 12 Eats, that's what I really wanted to get to. Because they released all those uh, menu items for the concession stands. Each team had its like own uh, concession stand item from a drink for Baylor that had ice cream and Dr. Pepper afloat, right? Sure. Or, you know, K-State's. Wabash Cannonball hot dog that was wrapped in bacon. KU had the macaroni and cheese. They sold over 5,200 of those concession stand items. Just those 10. Seriously. 5,200. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, if you think the TV deal was a good sign, you think conference expansion, the future of that, is a sign that Brett Yormark is the guy, I think Big 12 Eats is a good sign. Because it was such an, it was probably such an easy thing to put together. Just had to put a little bit of effort into it. Give each team its own food item because it's genius marketing and advertising for hey, come here and spend some money. Watch your team play. By the way, spend fourteen dollars on a hot dog or twelve dollars <laughs> on a bowl of mac and cheese. Because everybody thought like, oh well. K-State is named after this hot dog, or this hot dog's named after K-State. I got to go try it. Mason both had a couple of the items. I did not. Although I will say some of the uh, pictures made it look good, and that's another thing. I think they, f- they, they got you with the fast food routine. They gave you a picture of, you know, you it, it, a lot of these items you can get it anywhere, like you know the tenderloin sandwich or you know the burger with a onion ring on it, a bowl of mac and cheese, tacos. Like it's th- this isn't like brand new things to come to concession stands. Yet you put a team onto each item, and everybody from that fan base has to go try it, and they even go try others. Like, hey, is the mac and cheese that KU has any good? Which, by the way, KU's mac and cheese sold more than anything else, and I'm not surprised that it actually looked good. But what they did is they put a really nice picture mm-hmm. of that item online, social media. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the retweets and expressions and impressions, or whatever it's called, you know, sharing those kind of things and sharing your review of those menu items. It, all it did was give the Big 12 more money, give the T-Mobile Center more money and more traction on social media. The marketing was so well done. And we fell, I mean, we fell for, hey, K-State has a hot dog. KU has mac and cheese. Let's go try it. I think we all fell for it. And it was so, I mean, it's probably very little effort. Because these concession stands already have these things. It wasn't anything when it comes to culinary breakthrough for, you know, arenas or stadiums. One of the things I always enjoy about when minor league baseball gets started is the menus that come out because they tell you what's coming up at the various ballparks and what the gimmick for the year is. Unfortunately, my heart doesn't necessarily agree with me on liking all of those. 
I, I, if there was one thing I wanted to try, it was probably the mac and cheese because again, the pictures they they gave you the fast food because when you got it, it looked nothing like you know what you were <laughs> expecting. Probably they are running out of they are running out of ingredients to complete the entree. Of course, the quesadilla really fell flat. I heard, and that's the thing. Like they probably could have put more effort into it. Like quesadilla fell I flat. Mean, I mean, well done. The, the quesadilla was Texas and te- it's Texas Tech that has the tortillas. They throw right. the tortillas. I mean, we probably could have done a better job. But like the the hot dog wrapped in bacon. Everybody told me that was it was super overrated and it really just dried you out. You needed a gallon of water to down it. I mean, it's pork on pork. Come on. I, I got to say, that's that's a job well done by the Big 12. They made a statement. And bringing in DJ Diesel to perform Saturday night. Fat Joe, Jordan Sparks performing the national anthem. I'm telling you, this is just the groundbreaking of the Big 12 tournament leaving Kansas City. What? I mean, would you not... If, if, if your goal is to make the Big 12... Huge when it comes to revenue and also brand. Well, if you're going to have, if you're looking to generate a whole bunch of money, not only that for yourselves, but also for the city, and you're going to want cities to fight over this event, and not only that, you're going to bring in rappers or, you know, DJ Diesel to perform dubstep and other events that's going to bring in thousands of people. Would you maybe think of looking at places that are known for the entertainment industry, the hospitality industry, putting on major events? You're going to have to get an anchor in the Pacific time zone if you're going to do that. Well, that's uh, yes. The Big 12 in their you know Big 12 tournament, it wraps up in Kansas City in 2025. We could certainly see an extension. I think Brett Yormark actually kind of talked about that, like they could be there for a few more years. I don't exactly remember. I'm just saying he has huge goals for the Big 12. That's his job, to make the Big 12 bigger than it ever has been. And there is a goal to make the Big 12 coast-to-coast. Well, when you're now coast-to-coast, when you get there, it should really open up the options of where you can now go put your Big 12 tournaments. You know, Las Vegas was a town that came to mind, and that's the capital of hospitality and entertainment. The flaw there is, and it's the same reason that I get into arguments with folks for other conferences, Vegas at this point, facility-wise, is saturated. You would have to move on the calendar to another date than what you're used to with the Big 12 tournament. Doesn't have to just be Las Vegas. Oh, I'm just saying. But if you want Vegas, that one... Your calendar is pretty well cramped up because of the number of teams and the number of locations. Well, and you also want to, you know, if if the Big Twelve tournament were to move, you would, you know, Oklahoma City would, you know, be obviously pretty boring. Um, But someone argued Tulsa. I'm like, really? But you know, somewhere that people would be like, oh, that sounds like fun. Let's go visit there. Dallas. What's in the neighborhood of the arena? Of. of uh, American Airlines? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. So, I've been there before, but I don't, I don't remember but what's there's all nothing, there. Yeah. So, see, there's the flaw with, with anything that is at least in the footprint currently. You don't get power and light if you move it. You know, 
trying to move it west. Okay, L.A.'s out of the mix completely at this point, though that'll be a home for a Big Tw- or a Big Ten one at some point. Um, you know, where where are you going to go that doesn't have that connection to other conferences and offers an entertainment center like Power and Light? No, I mean I get your point, but I don't. I don't think to Brett your mark a big reason why you know they keep the Big Twelve tournament in in Kansas City would be just because there's you know a district of bars right next to it. There's plenty of arenas in this country that have that kind of thing next to it. Um, I, I think my I just the point I'm bringing up is realizing the goals that Brett Yormark has for the Big Twelve. It would not be surprise me. It would not surprise me if the Big 12 in its basketball tournament isn't in Kansas City five years from now. One of the worst things that happened with the Big Big Ten tournament at a point was when they tried to stage it at Madison Square Garden. Because it didn't draw. There was no lure to that tournament for anyone. But the thing is, like, if you if you did move it to Las Vegas, well, you have Arizona that, you know, how far what was it about four hours to Vegas from true from the or from you know Phoenix area or Tucson or whatever. But you are then head to head with the Pac-12 head to head with. Uh, well, you know, the, the Pac-12 I know. Not, might not be around in five. Well, years. there's that. But you're valid. But you're head to head with the Pac-12, the Mountain West Conference. Uh, the WAC has its tournament out there at that point. But you got to also consider the bigger draw and who's going to bring you more money. The Big 12 would crush the rest of those. But that also is going to be dependent on can you get an arena. And right now the Pac-12 has locked down the biggest of the arenas. For now. I know. I, yeah, I'm, just I'm, an example. I'm just looking at it from the current structure and where those tournaments fall on the calendar and what facilities are out there? I'm just saying, like you know, uh, you know, I I don't want the Big Twelve tournament to leave Kansas City. It's too convenient for us K Staters. But you know, a weekend in Vegas once a year doesn't sound too bad. I am a I am a fan of Vegas. All right, again, just an example. When we come back, let's get to my top ten list of the week. After this, we continue with hour two of the game. It's time for my top ten list of the week. It's been a minute. I'm excited for this one. I had a fun time doing all the research and putting this thing together. So my top 10 lists this week are potential Cinderella's for the NCAA tournament. Now, I, I in my research, I said Cinderella's can be like 10 and 11 seeds. I'm doing 12 at the lowest, you know, at the highest, and then 12 to 16. Okay. So I'm going those kind of of Cinderella's. Let's get this rolling. Number 10. Number 10, I'm going to go with the 13 seed in the East, and that is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're going to face Tennessee in the first round. Uh, they're the champions of the Sun Belt. Now, I, I put them at number 10 because you know I don't think they're going to beat Tennessee, but CBS released this uh, article, I think it was yesterday, and they did like 10,000 projections, like computer projections on how the NCAA tournament will wrap up. And they said this was actually the most common upset. Hmm. I was like, really? I, 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 I have a tough time agreeing with that. So we'll put the Raging Cajuns at number 10. 
Number nine. Number nine is 15 seed Colgate. They're in the Midwest, and they'll be facing the Texas Longhorns uh, in the first round. I mean, Texas is super hot right now. They just won the Big 12 tournament. Colgate, though, hasn't exactly been like flying under the radar. Going back to January, they've been talked about as being a candidate for the for the uh, NCAA tournament. They're the champions of the Patriot League. They are the only team in the country that shoots over 40% from three-point range. I'm telling you, this Colgate-Texas game could get very interesting. The reason I keep them down at number nine is because the way Texas has been playing defense lately. They've been very good. And they're going to contest shots. If Texas plays good defense... I don't think Colgate's going to get it done. If they don't, and they're going to leave shooters open, I'm just saying, I'm not calling upset, I'm just saying it'll get interesting. Number eight. I wanted to get a 14 seed in there. I'll be honest with you, I don't feel confident about any of the 14 seeds uh, moving out of the first round. I will say, however, if I pick out one, I'm going to say it's UC Santa Barbara against the Baylor Bears. Santa Barbara has pretty solid offense. I mean, they got a couple of guards, including might be one of the best guards in the country, and A.J. Mitchell, who was the the uh, the Big West Player of the Year, averages 17 points, five assists, two steals a game. That's a that's a solid line for a guard, and he's one of the reasons why the Gauchos have had pretty strong offense or average on defense. The thing is, Baylor doesn't play defense. Keontae George is one of the laziest defensive players in the Big 12. If they don't play defense, the Gauchos might give Baylor a run for their money, but the thing is, again, it's kind of like the opposite of you know what I was saying about Texas. If Baylor just kind of makes it a shootout, they're probably going to win the shootout. But I, I, I'm going to, you know, I think the Gauchos will play better defense, though, than Baylor. I do. Like, this could be a game where Baylor actually shoots worse, if this makes sense, shoots worse than Santa Barbara, but they win the game Uh, because Baylor does do a better job at drawing fouls. All right, that's number eight. Let's go to number seven. Number seven in my top ten list of Cinderella possibilities for the NCAA tournament. Number seven is our – I think it's our first 12 seed. It is. VCU. The 12 out of the West will play St. Mary's in the first round. They are the champions of the Atlantic 10 uh, tournament. A lot of people thought thought that VCU should be better than a a 12 seed, uh, but they are a 12 seed. According to Ken Palm, they have a top 20 defense. Defense wins championships, right? They hold teams to just 63 points per game. But they're playing St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's is just overall, I mean, obviously, overall a better team. But VCU won't have enough offense to keep up with St. Mary's. I will, however, say that if VCU has a huge day defensively and does a great job of keeping St. Mary's one and done, they're going to give St. Mary's a run for their money. They really will. And then which would be a better matchup for VCU in the second round would be against UConn or Iona. If they were able to get to that second round, 
there, I think, a better chance they could get to the Sweet 16, obviously, if they run into a team like Iona. Meanwhile, number six on my list of top 10 teams that could be Cinderella's for the NCAA tournament is a 13 seed in Kent State. Now, this is one of the favorites to have a first round upset. They are in the Midwest and they'll face Indiana in the 4 13 matchup. They're 28 and 6. Man, did they give Gonzaga and Houston earlier this year an absolute run for their money. Those two teams in Gonzaga and Houston were able to hold off Kent State late in the game, but they were entertaining contests. They are a fantastic defense in Kent State. That's what they pride themselves on is really tough, in-your-face defense. They are going to compete. They're one of the best teams in the country at forcing turnovers. I don't think that's what Indiana wants to face. That's a tough draw for Indiana in the first round is a really strong defensive team in Kent State. Number five. Number five is another 12 seed in Charleston. They are the 12 out of the South, and they will face San Diego State in the first round. 21-3. and three is their record. Champions out of CAA, and they have won 10 straight entering the NCAA tournament. I'm telling you, this could be one of the most entertaining games in the first round. Because the Cougars of Charleston shoot the second most threes in the country. They shoot 30 threes a game. Now, I will say, San Diego State is a very good all-around team. They play great offense, great defense. They're good on both sides of the floor. I think if, um, you know, if Charleston is hitting their threes, we're in for a run. We're in for a shootout type of game. But also, I will mention as well, they, they make 10 threes a game. So they're average when it comes to percentage from three-point range. Charleston is balanced. San Diego State just a little bit more balanced on the defensive end. And Charleston's going to rotate guys in and out. This could be a dogfight in the first round. Twelves, they have beaten a five in like, what has it been, 24 of the last 28 NCAA tournaments? They're one of my favorites to pull off a first-round upset. Let's keep it going. Number four. Number four on my list of top ten teams that could be Cinderella's for the NCAA tournament is Furman. They are the 13th seed in the South. They'll face Virginia. Here's the big key. Furman likes to get out and run. This is going to be a complete contrast of these two identities of college basketball teams. Because Furman likes to get out and run, try to beat you on the other end of the floor after playing good defense, and they're going to try to beat you inside. Attack, 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 and tear you up in the paint. Furman is the second best team in the country in scoring from two-point range. What does Virginia like to do? They like to slow it down. They like slow-paced basketball. They don't like Furman. This is a talk about two completely different identities when it comes to basketball. Furman can make a game out of this. They really can, so pay attention to that. All right. We're getting close to the end. Number three. Number three is 13 seed Iona. And again, I I mentioned earlier, like, not a lot of 14s I like over threes, but some 13 over some fours, it could very well happen. And Iona 
playing UConn in the first round. That's in the West bracket. I just like Rick Patino teams that play good defense. I really do. Defense has been a big part of this. But they also have some guards that can score the basketball. They have a guard that can score 17 a game and shoot 43% from three-point range. They have another guard that shoots well from three, and he scores 16 points a game. Iona's going to be a really tough out for UConn. But finally, let's get to the final two. These are the two popular picks, I think. Number two. Number two is Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts in the East, 12 seed against Duke. These are, uh, I mean, really two of the hottest teams in college basketball. Now, Oral Roberts, it was just two years ago. That is a 15 seed. They upset Ohio State and then made it to the Sweet 16. Max Abmus, or however you say his last name, was a leader for that team two years ago. Well, he is back averaging 22 points a game. The thing, though, is Duke is, you know, at full strength, and they're 19-1. and I said that earlier. When they're at full strength, uh, could uh, go for a run, and a lot of people are picking them for Final Fours. They just won the ACC tournament. But Oral Roberts is just that kind of team with that kind of leadership. They're an older team. With that kind of leadership, can go out there and upset Duke and could go on a run as a 12 seed to the Sweet 16. I would not count out Oral Roberts just because they're playing Duke. That's going to be a very entertaining game. But I got to say, number one. my number one pick for a Cinderella story in the NCAA tournament, Drake. 12 seed in the Midwest, and they have Miami in the opening round. They're in the big dance for the second time in three years. They won Arch Madness, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. They're led by a sophomore guard who's one of, one of the biggest studs in basketball. They won that dominating in the final, too. They were very good all the way around. Tucker DeVries, I think I'm saying that name right. He's averaging 19.6 rebounds. He was player of the year in the conference. And this is a top 50 defense in the country. This is a horrible matchup, I think, for Miami. A horrible matchup. Because as good as Drake plays defensively, if you look at the other side of the basketball and the offense of Miami, Miami's offense is elite. Nigel Pack now plays for them, and he's, he's not the best player on the team. But Miami is terrible defensively. Terrible. And Drake has done a phenomenal job of taking advantage of bad defensive teams. Mm-hmm. And as I, I go get my bracket here, if you look at the Midwest, if Drake can get through in the, other round, in the next round, they'll have – Indiana and Kent State, I think those are two teams that Drake can definitely beat as well. I think just Drake has the overall talent when it comes to the 12th versus the 16th through the 16s to make the run, to be the Cinderella story and make a run for the NCAA tournament and you know get to the Sweet 16. I don't know how deep they can go, but I have them beating Miami. Welcome back to the tradition of the Missouri Valley Conference, getting one into the 16. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with a little – Number one song of the day and ask us anything after these words. Oh boy. Had to go there, huh? Ooh, no, baby, please don't go. 
from 1976, If You Leave Me Now, by Chicago. Two weeks at number one. By that point, they were Chicago. They weren't Chicago Transit Authority anymore. No, they had been just Chicago for seven years. Okay. They were only Chicago Transit Authority for a year. Got it. Formed in 67, named themselves CTA in 68, shortened it in 69. Wonder why. Uh, Because a band name should not be three words. (laughs) Uh, Tell that to Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah, let's, well, that's why it's an acronym. That's why they're ELO. They weren't going to make it as CTA. What if they were CYA? Doesn't work. Yeah. Put a little harder edge to it. 80s hair band. The way this uh, band got together, a ton of pieces to it. They were all from different bands. Several bands, they just kind of ended up getting together as a band. Hey, let's start one. In uh, late 80s, they take off. Well, the most famous member of the band is Peter Cetera. Played bass. He was also one of three vocalists. Uh, he's no. He, he left the group in the mid 80s but there are three still three original members still touring as members of chicago billboard ranked chicago number 15 on its list of the 100 greatest artists of the hot 100 singles history in october of 2015 uh the original lineup inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame in 2016 lifetime achievement award by the grammys in 2020 26 studio albums 34 top 40 hits This was their first of three number ones. Now, this was from the album Chicago X. I thought maybe that might be a Roman numeral for the number of the, the, like their 10th album or something, like Chicago 10. No, it was their eighth album. I'm like, we couldn't save this for two albums later, and then (laughs) it all makes sense. (laughs) Peter Cetera wrote this song. He was the ballad guy. I mean, he made a career out of ballads, right? Power of Love. Or, or Glory of Love, rather. That was the number one hit. Mm-hmm. I am a man who will fight. We all know it, right? Oh, Karate Kid, man. That's right. Part two, I think, right? Part two. It's part two or three. It wasn't in the first one. It was in two. Okay. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, that's right. When he goes to Japan. Well, I, I say he, when Daniel and Mr. Miyagi go to Japan. Mm-hmm. And they run into... Sato or Soto? Sato? Miyagi! Come back to die? You know. Oh, yeah. I'll never get over that voice. The Mr. Miyagi's rival in the. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my god, the. In Karate Kid Part 2, the second, the second Karate Kid. When it's the heel, you know the 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 kid that Daniel Larusso battles with. You mm-hmm. know it's Johnny Lawrence in the first movie. I don't remember all the names in part two. He was the biggest jerk of them all, I think. Like the the kid with the with the you know the spiked up hair in number three was a jerk, but he wasn't the like the biggest heel. I think that went to Terry Silver in part three. Part two. It was the young guy from Japan 
Man, I tell you what, the Karate Kid trilogy, part one, part two, part three, had some great heels. Great heels. I could talk Karate Kid for a long time. I love the Karate Kid movies. Even um, the next Karate Kid. I'm blanking on who uh, who was in Karate, the next Karate Kid. It was a girl. Hillary Swank. There you go. Very good. Very good. Hillary Swank. That's right. Even I enjoyed that one. It wasn't nearly as good. And Mr. Miyagi all of a sudden had a very normal life. And he also knew monks. Who knew? <laughs> uh, anyway, where are we at here with Chicago? Uh, anyway, Ballad, Pierce the Terror wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So I, I would imagine Chicago won more Grammys than they did, but they actually just won two in their entire run, even though they're still making a run, I guess. Uh, but this, so this song won Best Vocal Arrangement and Best Pop Vocal Performance by a duo group or chorus. I thought this was interesting since 2010, Chicago has teamed up with the American Cancer Society. They've offered the opportunity to bid on a chance to sing this song on stage at one of their concerts. Proceeds go to the American Cancer Society. Hmm. My thought was, that's a great thing to do. Could we have picked a different song? <laughs> because one that's who, maybe a little easier? Yeah, who wants to try to match the notes of Peter Cetera? Oh. You're just asking to bomb. Oh. That's National Anthem Ask right there. Well, especially since vocals, the vocals are the song. You know, clearly it's a lot of Peter Cetera, and there's harmony, but it's it's mostly all Peter Cetera. Mm -hmm. That's the song. Mm -hmm. That's intimidating. Yes, it Especially is. in front of thousands of people. <laughs> like I said, National Anthem-esque. Man, Chicago, what a weird band. So many different sounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not obviously the first or not even close to the last of a group that had multiple lead singers, but they had a... <laughs> Some of their songs, it sounds like they're trying to be Frank Sinatra, but 15 years later, you know, when that sound was already done with. All right, do you have any Ask Us Anything questions? I really don't. You're running the board. I know. That's your job. I know. Failure on my part. Do you like Chicago? Uh, I do, to I'm, a point. I'm not a big fan. I like Chicago... I'm not a huge fan of, to be perfectly honest, the heavy Peter Cetera portion of Chicago. This song is funny. It's like the whole th the whole thing is a chorus. Yeah. Yet it doesn't really have a chorus. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's not verse, chorus, verse. The it's that that part of it. I just consider the hoo -hoo part. That's the chorus, right? That's the part everybody looks forward to? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. One minute. Oh, from now? Okay. Well, the next two shows are going to be an hour and a half each. We're going to be out at 5.30 the next two. K-State Baseball tomorrow at Creighton from Charles Schwab, the home of the College World Series. First pitch at 6.02, I believe. That's going to be all flow sports. Lame. I get it. Catch it here on K-Man with Mike Clark and myself. 
And then hopefully I'll be able to join Troy from Greensboro, North Carolina on Thursday. Still trying to work out the details. If not, uh, he's going to try random people to join him for a little while. So that'll be fun. So We'll have plenty to talk about opening day. Bring on the yeah, tournament. Yeah, the NCAA tournament actually is already underway. I should have turned it up. What's the score? 17-13, Corpus Christi. Shout out to Corpus Christi, the home of Selena, the singer. Passed yep. away way too soon, so I'm rooting for Corpus Christi for that reason only. All right, we're out. Go Cats.